2: Welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go-A-U-Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher GopherGuy05. I am here and I am
1: carrying an axe upon my back.
2: <laughs> Blake, Iowa Gopher.
3: I am here and I wish Andy would watch where he swings that axe.
2: <laughs> We've got U Street. Hey Alp. And Steve, Zipsa Akron.
0: I've only been watching the axe scenes from American Psycho this week.
2: That doesn't concern me at all that that's like... What you've been mainlining. There's nothing violent about that. And it shouldn't. How's that different from my other week? Don't you watch that on like a religious basis?
0: Yeah, it's my Sunday night like prep for the week. <laughs> get, in, get in the mood for work. That's fantastic.
2: Uh, all right. We won the axe. It was a fantastic day. Uh, tailgating was great. Beer was great. Game was great. Watching them parade the axe around was great. Everything was great. Uh, does anyone disagree with that in any way so that I can immediately kick you off the blog and remove your blogging privileges.
4: Hey, Blake. What uh what do you what do you think about that?
3: I mean I I love it. I was I I knew I'd be eating some crow here as the only person on last week's podcast to pick Wisconsin. I mean you can hardly blame me. It's been fourteen years. I
2: can blame you but, entirely. You're a horrible person and you need to apologize until I feel you've made up for it.
3: No, I will take all the crow you want this is the best kind of crow. I am elated that they won. i'm elated to be wrong but i mean for what it's worth i was correct and basically what i said they need to do to win they did so
4: that is the most millennial way of taking crow well like i mean i was wrong but also i was totally right
3: i'm just embracing my heritage okay
4: <laughs> i was a, that was a that was a phenomenal game uh Blake mentioned it in the uh, post-game survey, but I'm going to say my favorite part of that game was a what nine-minute-long drive that ended in zero points.
3: <laughs> yeah, about 55 yards yeah, in nine minutes.
0: Wasn't that something like the longest, like the longest drive in the Big Ten this year, or something like that? Time-wise, that's what they. I, I thought I heard that on the broadcast.
2: I mean, the broadcast also told everybody that Fleck called the timeout to have them review that one spot and they just reviewed it on their own anyway. So
4: it turns out Fleck actually did call the timeout, but because he was calling a timeout to get them to review, he got the timeout back.
2: Ah. Uh, because they didn't announce the timeout in the stadium. So y'all were like, oh my God, he called the timeout and I'm like, no he didn't
4: <laughs> Well let's let's move to the the stadium real quick. Uh, I am led to believe that Andy does not remember most of the second half, though I can tell you for all of our listeners at home, on the road, and wherever else you are listening to this lovely podcast, and we're thrilled that you're listening with us, that Andy was crying tears of joy for an extended period of time uh, during and after the fourth quarter. I don't know if Andy remembers telling us that.
1: Oh, I do. My my memory came back uh, right about uh, six minutes ago in the fourth quarter or so. But yeah, the uh, the third quarter is a bit hazy. I uh, I I may have uh, I may have pulled a Chris from twenty thirteen Nebraska and sampled a bit too much of uh, a Jim Beam uh, that I smuggled into Camp Randall. Well, not that you have to smuggle it into Camp Randall; you could pretty much bring the bottle in. They didn't care. But.
2: Sam- sample is a interesting interesting choice given the the volume consumed.
1: I I I mean, it was a good amount. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was getting ready for impending doom, and, and suddenly good things happened. So, you know, it worked out well.
4: For our fearless leaders, can you provide us a, uh, a man-on-the-ground situation about what was happening?
2: I, I mean, for me personally, I think the first thing is that uh, Badger fans, I've never had the joy of watching Badger fans stream out of the stadium so far in advance of the end of a game. Uh, with us winning it's never happened in my life and so that is a magical experience that I hope everyone gets to enjoy if they weren't there this weekend Um, also I'd forgotten how the fact that Double L the crappy seats up in the upper corner actually aren't as bad uh, as I thought they were and in many respects are actually better than the lower level visitor section because you can actually see what's happening on the field without having to stare at a screen all day long so there's that I mean, outside of that, I think my take on it is the same as pretty much everybody else's. Uh, Minnesota didn't make any mistakes; they forced Wisconsin into a ton of mistakes. Uh, you know, magical punt return, and uh, next thing you know,
0: uh, we're we're all celebrating. So, was it actually as empty as they made it look like on TV inside the stadium uh, at the end of the game? Well, I I suppose like at kickoff, they had some shot that made like it looked like it was. Yeah, <laughs> like no, it,
1: half full. The, the, the student section, which I mean, granted, it's always a late arriving student section in Madison, but yeah, at kickoff, the student section was half full. Honestly, it never, I mean, it was Thanksgiving weekend, so I'll give them a slight credit, but it never got more than probably three quarters full during the entire game. Um, and then supposedly Minnesota sold out their visitors allotment, so I don't think these were visitors seats, but AA on the far opposite end of the upper deck couldn't have been more than 10% full. So yeah, no, it was by far not a close to a sellout at Camp Randall. Um, yeah,
2: I'd say all in all, probably maybe eighty percent full.
3: A palpable sense of sadness during the jump around.
2: Uh, no, they all they they all can delude themselves into thinking that's still cool and and jump around pretty hard. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, that one you'll have to go back to Chris, because that would be one of
2: the things that I
1: definitely do not remember jump around.
2: So They all seem pretty excited by it. I just put my middle finger up in the air a bunch.
1: <laughs>
2: no, the, the thing that, I mean, even goes to before
1: the game is, as we were talking about this walking into the stadium, is this is the first time, well, frankly, ever that I've been a camper. I, don't, I can only imagine the first time in a very long time. The Badger fans didn't seem to give a crap. Like, we're walking down Breeze Terrace, and normally if you're walking down Breeze Terrace, you're getting hurled insults, you're getting thrown, well, not things thrown at you, but there's nothing but drunk frat boys lining all the college houses right there just yelling at anything walking by in maroon and gold. I didn't get yelled at once on the way into the stadium.
2: Yeah, I took, I took pictures with people. They liked the Zubas. Yeah, he, he was very popular.
4: To be fair, Chris, everybody likes the Zubas.
2: As they should. They're amazing.
1: But, yeah, no, I mean, the Badger fans, Even I mean, most of the ones we talked to were, were nice people to begin with. It, but, I mean, normally you get some semblance of crap, and there was absolutely none of that. They were sort of resigned to the fact that, uh, you know, they started out as the f- number four ranked team in the country and, and are now going to end up in barely a better bowl than we are. But, uh, you know all in all, I mean, the, the first half, once, once, uh, once fat kicker mixed that, missed that kick, I sort of, that was when I sort of had a feeling that things were going to go our way this year because, um, you know, they just, they just seemed dejected after that and, and our defense took it to them and, and, uh, you know, Hornerbrook was, was bad Hornerbrook. I think this is the first time we've ever made an actual bad Wisconsin quarterback not look like the second coming of Brett Favre, which was really, really nice. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, the, the end of the fourth quarter, the uh, the party was on. I was watching some of the highlight videos, and, and the the final touchdown of the game for the Gophers, the Bryce Williams touchdown, he ran right at us. Uh, by that point, we had left the corner of the upper deck and were down uh, right along where the Gopher Tunnel was. And if you watch the videos, you can see two rather large white men dressed in maroon and gold <laughs> celebrating for about three seconds in the clip, and that would be us.
2: Yeah, I... Even after they scored the touchdown right before the half, I never got the sensation that Badger fans were really into it. At least not around us. Um, of course, there were a lot of Gopher fans around us, so maybe they were all toned down a little bit. But you know, it, it just never felt like Wisconsin fans were truly excited or into into what was going on once things didn't start strong. And then, of course, it you know only got worse for them from there.
0: It's that old Wisconsin thing where they pretend like they don't care when they're losing. Like, oh, yeah, I've never actually cared about this before. Like, you know, like when the, you know, the rivalry doesn't matter when they're, you know, actually um, brought to task. So I'm not surprised that that was your your experience.
2: Or the the very common comeback of you're not allowed to be excited for beating us because this is a really bad Wisconsin team as if we're supposed to give two shits, you know, given that we hadn't won in a while. I, yeah, I love that. This is this is the worst Wisconsin team in twenty five years. Yeah, that was ranked number four to start
1: the year. You assholes. I mean, seriously.
2: weren't they You know, playoff bound national title contenders. That's what I heard. I mean, I was told that by multiple multiple Badger fans and some you know national media sources. Oh, wow, crazy how they
3: just all got it wrong. I guess it's just weird. It, does 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 Wisconsin have a national championship
2: at all or? You know, I I, I looked around the stadium for some sign of it, and they must, like, be embarrassed about it or something. Uh, I don't know, because they don't have any banners or signs or anything. Weird, very weird.
4: I mean, for a program that's only been around since 1994, why would you expect them to have a national championship by now?
2: I mean, given how uh, puffed up their fans usually are, yeah, kind of
4: man best best fans in college football
2: yes but that's why it was so
1: <laughs> much fun i mean the be- the best part was so this was this was their band director's final game the the one who you know sort of let that whole sexual harassment thing go on but it, it, so you know everybody was all saying well we got to stay for the fifth quarter fifth quarter well, after that game, there might have been there might have been 2,000 Badger fans still left in the stadium by the end. Otherwise, it was pretty much all moon and gold. Like, you could clearly hear ringing around Camp Randall, let's go Gophers, row the boat, and apparently, I missed it, but apparently there's a loud Rossi chant going on as well at one point or another.
2: Yeah, the end of the game was honestly really, really awesome because the, the last few minutes of the game really dragged out. Like, I we andy during his window of slight incoherence basically made it clear to me that i was in charge of deciding if and when we went down from the upper deck i mean i was trying to figure out like i'm not overly superstitious but like would we jinx it you know how how early is too early and then as that nine minute drive was happening i think probably with like maybe a minute and a half left in that drive it was clear that no matter what happened at that point, this game was was really quite done, um, and so I was like, "Hurry up, let's go, let's not, you know, let's make sure we're down and have a good spot." Uh, and then after that field goal, after they missed the field goal because we got down just before that happened, um, it felt like it took forever for the game to end, and more and more golfer fans just kept pouring into that end zone section, like all just waiting and anticipating, and just willing the game to end so that we could start celebrating for real. Um, and it, it yeah, it, it, took, it took, it felt like it took forever just because we were all, I think, wanting it so badly.
1: But when it finally did over, oh yeah, the party was on. It was raucous down there for a good half hour, 45 minutes post-game with, you know, every single player coming by, coaching staff coming by. I specifically remember us slapping hands with Mark Coyle and uh, PJ and... And then, of course, uh, Chris and I game away with our, our spoils from the afternoon.
2: <laughs> Muhammad Ibrahim uh, tore off his, his gloves and threw them into the stands. Andy got one and I got one. So together we have a pair of gloves that neither of us can fit into, but they're awesome and they look cool. And they're game-worn, which, you know, is automatically better.
1: And a touchdown was scored with them, so there you go.
4: That's true. I believe we've placed them in the Daily Gopher Museum. I think what viewing hours are two to two to five in the afternoons?
2: yes, on alternate Saturdays, um, but only in the month of April and they joined such pantheon of things that we've purchased from the athletic
1: department sale, including a pair of a j. Barker's warm up pants and a pair of practice shorts owned by Reggie Lynch
2: yeah the, that la that last one was cooler for a while. It was.
1: Were, the, were those A.J. Barker practice pants
3: the ones that he wore when he stormed off the field at practice and quit the team? Or is that
2: pre-quit the team? Well, there weren't acupuncture marks in them, so I'm not clear on whether or not what, what period in his uh, treatment and or displeasure window that uh, that came from. Well, I guess we'll never know. I, I, we had a great time in the stadium. I mean, how was everybody else enjoying it? What, what, what did you do enjoy it uh, do to enjoy it at home?
4: Yelled at the television a lot.
3: I uh, say so I was like, I moved around the living room a lot. I was at a family Thanksgiving, which in this kind of game is not my ideal watching environment, just because they none of them really care. They're like, my mom's are asking a bunch of questions that are re- relevant to what's happening. They have no idea the context that this is like the, could be the first win in fifteen years. But just the stress level ratcheted up as the game went along, and I just started like getting real quiet, and it was just. You you want to get to that point where like this is really going to happen. I mean, that diamond drive was awesome. Then they missed the field goal, and it's still a two possession game. You're like, oh, you're like your mind is just coming up with possibilities of what could happen. But um, it's just it's it was sort of surreal. But I can I mean I can only imagine what it was like to be at the game, but watching from home. Like I don't even know if it's really quite set in yet. Just just seeing it from seeing it on TV. But it it was a surreal experience.
2: Yeah, I did appreciate how they uh, made sure to get that, force that fumble and recover that fumble like two plays after uh, Wisconsin took the ball back because, you know, it it limited the possible window of freakout time for all of us.
3: Well, just the sheer fact that like at one point they're up thirty-seven to seven. I mean, you think when you think break the streak, you're thinking like a close game. They're going to sneak one out like way back when they beat Iowa two years in a row with by two points. I think both games, but. Just to beat the to be beating them by thirty points in the fourth quarter to me was just like unthinkable. And it didn't occur to me till later, like they I mean, it was more just a win, like they it was an ass whooping.
2: Yeah, actually that that happened to me too. I don't know if it happened to the rest of you guys, but like obviously like you could see the score, but somehow like the fact that we had just completely destroyed them really didn't settle in to me until I started like Reading some of the post game stuff, looking at the stats, and and uh, seeing what uh, Bucky fifth Quarter was saying, and and just realizing, yep, that's that's right. They completely dominated this entire game, which is uh, just just fantastic, really, honestly. Street, what were you doing? Like, where were you, where were you at to enjoy this uh, momentous occasion?
4: I was at the ancestral home having. Uh, surrounded by people who actually did care about the game watching it uh, we were all both uh, yelling a lot at the television while eating leftover Thanksgiving food which was great part of what was I think really impressive about the game is that there was very little Minnesota did that that didn't work the defensive calls were excellent they never really let Jonathan Taylor beat them. Broadly, the only thing they really had problems with in the first half was that draw play, and that was more or less solved in the second half. And there was a brief period of time where they had some difficulty with outside and wide zones, and then they adjusted to that. And fortunately, Alex Hornbrook Alex hornenbrook his way into a bunch of turnovers. My personal favorite, I don't understand context, take was somebody being like i don't get how wisconsin lost they gained more yards than minnesota
2: which which is great given the fact that i don't believe uh minnesota had to mount a drive longer than 55 yards the entire second half despite collecting three turnovers i mean yeah
4: it's weird how that field position thing works
2: (laughs) it's almost almost as if uh, Minnesota, if they had been forced to go longer, could have, you know, collected more yards. And it's almost like maybe if Minnesota had attempted to play base defense the rest of the fourth quarter instead of going to prevent and saying, we'd rather we have you burn clock even if you grab some points, you kind of think maybe Wisconsin might not have gotten all those 75 yards on that final drive as well. So, But I'm, I'm just spitballing here based on how the rest of the game had played out. Obviously, I could be totally wrong and, and stuff. I'm not, but I could be.
4: Yeah, you're super not.
3: By the way, speaking of um, Demetrius Douglas's punt return for a touchdown, I was unaware that Minnesota actually has statistically the best punt return unit in the country. They lead the nation in um, yards yards per kick punt return. And they've had two. They opened the season with Antoine Winfield returning one and ended the season with Demetrius Douglas. So, especially James man. You, just, you don't think about it until someone
2: puts a stat in your face. Steve, what were you doing? Where were you at for the for, for this momentous uh, occasion?
0: Well, I was hanging out at the in-laws, uh, trying to not come to grips with what was actually happening or something. I don't know. I was idly eating chocolate-covered peanuts.
2: Is that your stress food, chocolate-covered peanuts? <laughs> must
0: must have been whatever was nearby.
2: Uh, I think my other favorite moment was after they missed the field goal um, and Andy and I were waiting to get down to the, the edge of the field. Uh, two of the Badger fans that we're, we're friends with and know uh, were actually, they, their seats are higher up in that section. They were walking down to leave because uh, they had already, just despite missing the field goal, they, knew, they saw the writing on the wall, I think before Minnesota fans might have. Uh, and we're chatting with them when the fumble happens, and the next thing they know, Andy and I are bear-hugging the two of them between us. And forcing them to celebrate uh, the implosion uh, of the Badgers, the final implosion. It was it was magical. We took a photo. They seemed super pleased by the whole moment. Uh, I'm sure they'll be glad to have it etched in etched in Facebook and online forever and ever and ever. I'm glad
1: we have a photo because that sure isn't in my memory right now.
2: Well, that was about you know probably a good four or five minutes before I think you regained consciousness. So,
1: hey, there there is a precedent here. You drunkenly slept walked through most of the nebraska 2013 home game i did it for a quarter and a half of this game we should just make jim beam the official drink of the daily gover because whenever one of us has a little too much we win a big game for once
2: also we need a sponsor for this podcast i I mean if jim beam wants to pay us money I'm, i'm i'm i'll i'll make it the official drink of whatever if they'll pay us money jim beam you heard me pay me your money where does this rank for everybody in the like pantheon of best wins they've been to, witnessed, whatever? Is this the greatest win that you've you've gotten to experience, or or how how, how high up the list does it go? Two thousand
4: three is a better win, both for the experience of the game as well as in some sense the implications. I think it's a much cooler celebration because we had decided at that point that you could, in fact, run over to the opponent's sideline, and that's no longer a thing that we apparently do in this rivalry. In terms of what it means for the program coming forward, certainly very nice for P.J. Fleck and his staff joe rossi got himself a permanent job as a result of this win so i'm sure he's thrilled about it and i think it gives the staff a lot more breathing room it also allows them to go on a recruiting trail saying we've made a bowl and still possibly get to seven wins in year two that's quite nice i think it's for me what was really great to watch it as others had said is that you know, this was a this was an ass whooping and normally you don't expect that if you've it's been a long time losing to a rival that you're going to beat them so badly. So in that regard it was really cool to watch. I probably top 3. So the Wisconsin 2003, this Wisconsin game and then the the Iowa ass kicking they put out on a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, I'd have to say it's it's right up there for me too. I would agree 2003 is I think was a more enjoyable one cuz here's the thing, I had a great time. I loved I love Saturday. But and there were so many great moments that, as part of it, but at the same time, I think there was still a part of me that was so beaten down by the streak that it took me until much. It it, it took it was like the joy was there, but it took a lot longer for the the true euphoria, at least for me, to kind of totally sink in and, and happen. Whereas like two thousand and three was just like, just a just. An instant An immediate instant when that field goal was kicked And then uh, it just Carried carried as like a a real Big wave crashing through whereas like uh, Saturday was more like I had to Go through the whole build up and everything first So I don't know Andy you I mean you were literally crying at one point, and I, I mean that in the most positive way possible because, seriously, this is a joyful occasion, and and they were tears of joy, but where does this rank in your in your uh, your list?
1: Well, there's a couple of different ways to think about it. Since I was in Europe during the time of 03, I obviously wasn't there or even around to watch it, so I don't have that same uh, point that a lot of you guys do. Uh, this was, in fact, the first time I'd ever seen the Gophers win against Wisconsin in person, so... Um, that automatically makes it top two or three. I mean, the celebration, you know, forget even the game, the celebration was just something I'll never forget. It was it was an amazing time. Um, but, I mean, it definitely goes goes on the list of, you know, um, the trip to Nebraska in 2014 and, and the chair and everything like that. That was just a, an amazing trip. Um, you know, having, you know, somewhere in there both the, both the 20, uh, 2010 and twenty eleven Iowa games, um, those are those are definitely on the list. Um, so I, I'm I'm still going to probably consider this one my number one, just because the the celebration, of the party was was so crazy afterwards. But uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, we've had we've had a couple of memorable ones with a couple of a couple of, well not a couple, a lot of painful years in between.
2: No more of that. It's all memorable from here on out. I don't know, Street, Blake, Steve, any of you guys want to chime in with where it is on your list? Or, sorry, not Street, you already did that, but Blake and Steve? Uh, I mean, personally,
3: it's going to be hard to beat the 2014 Michigan game at the big house. Um, Just being in the stands for that was, I was not expecting it. I mean, I knew Minnesota had a chance, but that was just a blast. I mean, it's probably a similar experience to what you had at Wisconsin, maybe not as momentous um, but I do think you touched on something that I can relate to like for me though this Wisconsin game was more about like a release or a feeling of relief because um, it's more than just beating a rival it's you know ending what was a humiliating losing streak and now we kind of breathe and say okay let's we can go back to just having a rivalry and you know going back and forth hopefully hopefully not too much hopefully they hold on to the trophy a long time but uh, um, I think we're all just we got to a point where we were just kind of exhausted with it and exasperated and just wanted to, um, get, get that, get over the hump, get that win, put the streak behind us, and just go back to being a normal rivalry. Um, like I said, there's just that build up there where you're just like hoping, hoping, hoping until it finally happens. So, um, it's a, I mean, it's a huge win for the program as, as street said, um, flex obviously going to use it on the recruiting trail and I think it's going to endear fuck to a lot of fans who maybe had grown impatient. I mean, even when he, when he was first hired, he had people coming up to him, um, saying, "You know, just beat Wisconsin." Um, so obviously, this is a meaningful game for a lot of fans, um, and I think it'll carry a lot of weight.
2: Steve, how did uh, how did it rate out for you?
0: I mean, a lot of what Blake said in terms of like emotional release it was really fun to to see it and come to fruition. Especially how unexpected it was. You're just kind of wondering, like, <laughs> by the law of averages, it has to happen at some point, but you didn't expect it to happen. On Saturday. Um, of course, I wasn't there, so it kind of takes away a little bit of the, the flair for us. I was, was going to say, um, I really had a lot of fun in 2010 uh, against Iowa when uh, Jeff Horton was the interim coach and they uh, unexpectedly beat, um, beat the Hawkeyes at home in that cold, dark afternoon, evening um, when it was freezing cold. But uh, that was probably the most fun I ever had at like an in-person game. I think what's,
2: what's really kind of neat about this win is that it ultimately, it completely changes the entire way this season is going to be perceived. Um, Super Troll, Pat Royce's attempts to downplay that aside, this is what the season is going to be remembered as, is this win. Um, and, and separate from that, it really kind of, this team has been so schizophrenic in terms of performance, you know, starting strong, beating a really good Fresno State team, uh, going through just a complete implosion for much of the the Big Ten season up until uh, the last three games, even with you know Indiana included in there, uh, and it really, I think, it 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 lets it lets people look at this year and see, I think, the team for in many ways what it was the entire time, which was. Um, capable of doing pretty pretty darn good things, but just ultimately very inconsistent. Um, and it, it kind of cleanses the palate from some of the really stupid losses uh, that we can attribute, you know, to, to the Rob Smith defensive experiment and, and let people focus in on the fact that there was a, an offense that was young but was still doing, you know, well and improving as the season went on and a defense that still had talent even if uh, it wasn't always able to execute during the year. And... Um, I don't know for me that's that's one of the best parts is that it it kind of really uh calms the i'm not gonna say overreaction because i understand where people were coming from but i think ultimately there was a lot of there's a little too much angst a lot of times i think with how things had gone yeah even 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 and i say that fully admitting the extreme frustrations of you know getting blown out by a really bad illinois team Um, even with things like that that's just you know one game in the scheme of things and i don't think it really spoke entirely to what the team was or where it was going and uh i I think this one kind of recenters everybody and and helps close things out in a more uh, if not positive than reasonable um, direction i think
1: nope totally agree And, and as you said one of the uh the best things, along with getting the X back about beating Wisconsin, is we do get to six and six, and uh, that means we're going to a bowl game. Uh, first time in the in the Fleck era, first time since the uh, the Holiday Bowl in, in twenty sixteen. So, uh, lots of possibilities could be heading east, could be heading west, could be heading south. Um, but I think primarily we're pretty much looking at at, at one of four games, either uh, either Pinstripe Bowl, New York City. Redbox Bowl, Santa Clara. Um, I can't even remember what the hell they call the one in Detroit right now anymore. Quick, the Quick Lane Bowl. Quick Lane Bowl still, thank you. And then the uh, if everything totally goes downhill and somehow the Big Ten only gets like one team in the the uh, New York Six or New York Six Bowl, we could end up down in the uh, First Defenders Bowl down in in Dallas, Fort Worth, at the old Cotton Bowl.
3: First Responders Bowl. Defenders, responders, same thing.
2: It's a bowl we don't want to play in. Let's it's the it heart out. of. D- it will always be the heart of Dallas Bowl to
1: me. Yes, there's a reason why they only play one game in the old Cotton Bowl Stadium now, ever, because it's an absolute dump. So, um, anyways, one of those four bowls is pretty much where we're heading. We'll find out sometime on Sunday. So I'll uh, I'll start it off with Street. If you had your pick, where would you want to stand up?
4: I just want them to play a reasonably good opponent. So whichever bowl gets them the best opponent is the one. It's an exhibition game and fundamentally they could like go to the bloody Yukon as far as I'm concerned for a bowl game. The real thing that matters is the 15 practices, but it would be quite nice. I think especially for, uh, shall we say, shutting up memes that deserve to die if they beat a very good bowl team. And
1: it looks like if we if we head to either New York or Detroit, we'll end up against an ACC team. Uh, if we head out to Santa Clara, it'd be a Pac-12 team. Um, and if we did get screwed all the way down to Dallas, it's God knows who, because I think whoever we're supposed to be playing won't fill their allotment, so we'll end up being a complete wild card. So I guess you know you're looking at you're looking at a mid level ACC team or mid level Pac-12 team most likely.
4: I suppose the mid level ACC team, though that one's honestly a push.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna say whatever. So uh, it's the the quick lane bowl is on the 26th, right? Uh, yes. And every other bowl is not on that day.
3: No, the pinstripe bowl is the 27th.
2: And the other ones aren't on the 26th either.
3: Red, red, first, bo- red oh sorry, go ahead.
2: first responder bowl
3: is 26, and then red box bowl is New Year's Eve.
2: Oh, then it's easy. I I want either the pinstripe bowl or the um. Uh, first responders bowl because the other two bowls happen on a day that I'm traveling and it'll impact my ability to watch them. And my ability to
0: watch the games is clearly the most important thing. I'm really rooting for the uh, quick lane bowl because I'll be in Detroit, incidentally, for a family trip on the 26th flying in at 5 o'clock and I would love to just drop by Ford Field and check it out. Uh, and turn your turn your back on the red, so- red box bowl? Unbelievable. <laughs>
2: I mean, if it's the red if it, if it's the red box bowl, then I think we can, uh, uh, you know, obviously somebody needs to fly out to San Francisco, you know, which is not at all where the game is, despite the San Francisco 49ers playing. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we could scrounge up some nickels from the the couch and make that happen.
3: Don't we have a daily go for private jet, wing charter?
2: Wait, somebody bought a private jet.
4: Yeah, it's on FlightAware.
2: Damn. It. Why does nobody tell me these things?
4: We used it when we were trying to get Les miles to write for the block.
2: Oh. That was when you didn't tell me that. You knew I I'd, I'd say no to him. Well, now I off, it's off the table
3: now. He's coaching Kansas, so All
2: right, quick quick question. What which is the worst hire? Les miles to Kansas or Mac Brown to UNC?
3: My god, Mac Brown to UNC. Because it's like it's like it's not like Kansas State hiring rehiring Bill Snyder because Mac Brown really wasn't that successful at UNC, um, and obviously his years at Texas didn't end very well. Um, just I don't yeah I don't get it. It's yeah I don't I don't know. It's it boggles my mind why the thinking behind that. Because I mean he was a guy that he ran Texas into the ground. I mean Texas has been desperately trying to pick up the pieces of what he left. And Texas is like a blue blood program. It takes a lot to tank that kind of program. Um, I just, I mean, you've seen Mac Brown do, um, you know, commentary for ESPN the past couple of years. And I mean, the guy's just not a, he's not an an X's and O's guy. He's not a tactician. He's going to rely solely on his coordinators. He's more of like, to me, like a schmoozer type. Um, Doesn't really bring a lot to the table besides his personality. So I just, I don't get it.
4: Also not as good of a meme, though I am pleased that the Mac Brown is going to recruit some incredible quarterback as safety meme has returned.
2: I'll be honest, I'm not super familiar with that meme.
4: For several years in a row, Mac Brown recruited a variety of quarterbacks who went to other schools, most notably Robert Griffin, to play safety at the University of Texas.
3: Hey, you know, positional flexibility, that's an important quality in quarterbacks, you know?
2: I mean, I think we can all admit that that is something that the current uh, quarterback recruiting at the University of Minnesota is missing, is there's not enough uh, offensive tackles being recruited to play quarterback, and uh, that's something that we should really see if Fleck can improve going into in, into next year's class.
3: You know, we're, and we're going from one scholarship quarterback to possibly four scholarship quarterbacks next year. What are we going to do with those three extras? They're just going to sit on the bench, you know? Where are we going to play them?
2: I don't know. We haven't had that many quarterbacks on scholarship in like seven years. I'm not entirely sure I remember. All right. You know, as good of a weekend as it was for uh, football, it was actually a fantastic weekend for volleyball as well. Volleyball officially wrapped up the Big Ten title uh, got their seeds announced for the NCAA tournament, and we should. Uh, and there's a lot to be happy about there. So, Andy, you want to walk us through what was up with volleyball?
1: Yeah. So, uh, the one slight negative would have been uh, Friday night. The Gophers finally did lose a Big Ten match. They lost in five sets at Penn State, um, and then they killed Rutgers on Saturday. They finished the Big Ten 19 and one, won the conference by two games. Um, But it wasn't nearly enough to to derail them. Uh, The the NCAA pairings were announced Sunday, and the Gophers are the number two overall national seed, um, only behind Stanford. So um, long and short of it, what does that mean? It basically means as long as the Gophers don't lose, they don't have to leave the city of Minneapolis the rest of the season. Uh, They're hosting the first and second round this weekend at the PAV, uh, assuming they get out of that. They will then host a regional next weekend at a pav at the PAV, and then the final four is at the Target Center the week after that. So uh, three weekends left in the season. Hopefully the Gophers will be participating in all of them and will be in the city of Minneapolis. Um, Minnesota gets to host Bentley in the first round. Now I'm going to take a poll. Can anybody accurately tell me in which state Bentley College is Maryland That's over for one. X it, Rhode Island? You read the blog, didn't you?
2: No, I'm just guessing.
1: Oh, yeah. well, you're right. It's Rhode Island apparently.
2: It seemed it just seemed like a obscure New England state kind of a thing.
1: So yes, yeah, Bentley College, apparently, I don't even know where in Rhode Island, but somehow there's more than just Rhode Island and Providence in Rhode Island. But um, yeah, the Gophers should absolutely destroy them. I think I saw somebody say their RPI is like two above Rutgers, who Rutgers won 14 sets in the entire Big Ten season. So uh, that's bad. Um, and then they get either Colorado or South Carolina in the second round, who, again, the Gophers are significantly better of, so they should win. A um, couple interesting matchups. They could get a rematch against Oregon, one of the three teams to beat the Gophers this year in the Sweet 16. And assuming it's chalk into the regional final, they'll get a third crack at Nebraska, um, who the Gophers have already beaten twice this year. So, uh Gophers on their way to hopefully make it to the final four and and not leave Minneapolis.
2: Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Not not only just a you know if they were to win a national title, well, to win a national title in Minneapolis would be would be really cool. Um all right, so basketball things, the Gophers just played terribly and lost to Boston College and Steve, I'm just going to hand it right to you so you can uh, I think, vent some
0: feelings. Well, I was really excited to have the the podcast going before this game was over, or even before they played it, because we're coming, out, coming off such a high of winning going undefeated during the Vancouver Showcase last week, which is pretty fun. They um, won three in a row against Texas A&M, Santa Clara, Washington. Uh, things were looking pretty good, and then of course they have to stay on the road and go do a true road game against Boston College across the country from Vancouver to Boston. It's like, what, 2,700 miles or something like that? It's it's a long ways. Um, Kind of a lot to ask for the team. They've been on the road for quite a while now. No end in sight, unfortunately. But, yeah, tonight they played like absolute dog crap. Um, They shot 29%. Dupree McBrayer, one of the senior leaders, goes 0 for 8 from the field. And that's 0 of 8 from three-point land, too. Um, combined with a pretty bad showing from um, Amir Coffee as well. And really, like if, you, if you're if you not getting anything from McBrayer and Coffey uh, in a night, you're really going to have a hard time winning. Jordan Murphy fouled out. Uh, things just were not going very well. And, you know... It's hard to say how good Boston College is going to be this year. I was just actually uh, getting in a Twitter argument with uh, Buzz King about it. He thinks they're really, really bad. And I was like, well, they're returning four starters from last year's NIT team. They have an NBA guy. Um, and we'll see. They'll be in the bottom half of the ACC probably. But, you know, anytime you're going on the road against a Power 5 conference team, especially one from the ACC, it's not going to be a gimme. I just wish they wouldn't have gotten blown out so bad. Do you think – I
2: mean, which – Obviously, there are plenty of reasons for some optimism. Uh, you know, coming out of the first five games, do you think this is just a regression to the mean? Do you think there are, this is actually more like the team we're going to see as we get into the Big Ten, or are we basically just inconsistent enough where we could be this bad one night and and significantly better other nights?
0: Well, it's hard to say. I mean, they have uh, they've been playing with offensive fire, if you want to call it that, for the last three games. Now they've been shooting really, really poorly. Um, Amir coffee hasn't looked you know, very very smooth. Same with McBrayer. They've been really they've been picked up by um, really good play from Murphy. But then Gabe Calisher, Daniel Laturu have been um, pitching in as well and actually holding up some of the um, you know like the being the third leg of the stool if you want to put it that way. But finally cut up to him today and I don't know, that's three games in a row now where they haven't shot very well and they haven't had a very good offensive output. Patino's been pretty good at making halftime adjustments and has been able to make those against some some decent teams. I mean, like beating Washington is no joke, but to come and lay an egg against Boston College, slightly concerning. Um, Again, still early in the non-conference season. You never want to make a ton of judgments this early on, but um, I guess let's check back after they play Oklahoma State semi-home game on Friday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, Then they go right on the road to Ohio State and then play Nebraska. So really they haven't gotten a ton of like gimme games to really get tuned up. Um, I don't know the mentality of a college basketball player but you think you want to just like especially for a team that is half freshman um getting those guys some court time and really starting to feel good play with each other would be a boon um but for now we're we're, we're we're kind of stuck with it i'm hoping they can figure it out but got some the the schedule doesn't ease up by any means for the next three or four games
2: all right um golly i was about to say it's time for predictions but we don't actually have a football game for up to like a month from now, so we, we,
1: we can still predict. We, we never did. What's your prediction for what bowl game we will talk about next week?
2: Uh,
1: Pinstripe. I concur. I think we're heading to NYC. I think so too.
3: I, uh, yeah, I think Pinstripe.
0: Steve, I'll say Pinstripe. I feel like aren't they concre- like contractually obligated or to some of these bowls to like not take the same teams in like four or five year increments? I feel well, like they were most
3: that's like a big 10 thing, and like, instead of um the bowls picking like their teams the the Big Ten will give them options like each bowl representative of options like two or three recommendations. And one of the one of the things the Big Ten emphasizes is, is not sending the same team um, to the same bowl in the in the same two or three years. So mm-hmm. um for the Gophers I don't they were in the quick lane bowl I think three 15. years ago fifteen. So that, that one's a little ways off. I'm not sure if that really impacts it. Obviously they're not going to the holiday bowl. So I think for them it's kinda wide open.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, pinstripe bowl. All
2: right, I think we'll go pinstripe bowl around the way because uh, Alex, you know, died or something. Um, Which means for sure next week we'll be talking about how we're
1: going to Detroit again,
2: or Dallas. And I'm just gonna—I'm—I'm I'm telling you right now that if they go to Dallas, I'm calling it the Heart of Dallas Bowl the rest of the way because, damn
0: it, that's its name. So just be—just be aware. And the quick lane, the quick lane bowl will always be the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we've let's let's all decide what not current name
2: we're going to call every bull except the pinstripe bull because that one has only ever been the pinstripe Bowl. um and so think on that before the next podcast we have that to to, to use when they inv- invariably announce where we're going so all right thanks again for listening everybody go gophers sky Yuma, row the boat
4: through the boat.